Hello, welcome back to Sextras, where we talk about sex and all the extras. I'm Honey, and my fun fact is when I was younger, I made a book of all the Harry Potter spells and like alphabetized it and (laughs) (laughs) like wrote what everything like every spell was and what it was used for because I was such a loser (laughs) why did you do it though why what did you think you were gonna do with the spells was it so you could use them for later yeah I thought I was gonna get into Hogwarts what do you mean (laughs) like I actually thought I was (laughs) Like, I was, like, learning for when I went to Hogwarts. (laughs) Hello. I'm Maria. And one of my favourite things is, like, people's personal smells. You know, when you walk into someone's house and it just smells like them, but they can't smell it. That's, like, I just love that as a concept. And I love people's smells. As a concept. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Okay, well, this week we have a very exciting guest with us. She is our first American guest. Oh my god. My good friend that I met when I went to Santa Cruz. In case you guys didn't know, I went on a study abroad to Santa Cruz. I, like, never mention it. (laughs) (laughs) And she's going to talk to us today about the upcoming election in America and how how that's especially going to have an impact on women and people of colour and anyone who's a minority, basically, from her experience. She's one of the most knowledgeable people on US politics that I personally know. So please welcome Alex. Hello, I'm Alex Turner. I'm from America, specifically California, and I was born and raised in LA. But I did get the chance and the great opportunity to meet Honey in Santa Cruz, where we went to college or university, as you guys might say. A fun (laughs) fact about me is that I've broken eight bones, slash fractured eight bones in my life. (laughs) I'm a little bit clumsy. But I'm doing well right now. <laughs> good. Oh, also, I forgot to say that Alex is one of the good Americans. Yes, I am one of the good ones. <laughs> so, to start the episode, we asked you guys, well, we've been playing a little game of stereotypes recently with our guests. And in Ode to Alex being our first American guest, we asked you guys to send us some stereotypes you have of American people and they're quite savage to be honest. (laughs) Yeah, I can't say there are many positive ones. But we will read them out anyway and Alex, you can tell us your thoughts on (laughs) what you think about these. So we had a lot of fat and stupid... (laughs) Is this true, Alex? What do you think? Well, um, I would say that I'm pretty proud of my state. I don't think that my state has many of these types of Americans, but I can testify that other parts of America um, might fit that demographic. (laughs) Yeah, you were saying how in California people kind of look down on the rest of America. Yeah, I think it's how Europeans look down on us, you know, and then within like 
all of America, we look down at like, you know, Trump or oop, the, those that are from different <laughs> places outside the big city. Yeah, for sure. I feel like people in Europe don't necessarily hate California. Like, I feel like California and New York are the two acceptable places or whatever. <laughs> definitely. Another stereotype? We had quite a few of they're annoying or obnoxious or jarring. Yeah, I mean, from someone who like actually did live in America for a bit, like not that many people are annoying. There are a few annoying people, but I feel like the majority of people are annoying. I feel like what English people think is annoying is like American accent. Yeah. So then they kind of can't look past that. Mm Mm-hmm. I feel like it's just the American accent in in the midst of English accents sounds really mm. like jarring sometimes to English people. I feel. Yeah, but when I was there, I was like the only English person, and I was really conscious. Mm. I was like, oh my god, like is my accent yeah. annoying to them? <laughs> but Alex, do you like ever meet any people from like other states that you think their accent is super annoying? Uh, yes. You know, I definitely think that. In some states, it's actually hard to understand people. <laughs> I know there's some heavy, you know, southern accents, for instance, and it, I, I, I wouldn't want to try to imitate it because I don't think I would properly you know, <laughs> exemplify how it is. But it can be hard to discern certain words. Mm-hmm. And going back to what you're saying about how you were um, con- self-conscious about your accent, it's really funny Amer- how Americans basically revere British people and get so excited. <laughs> like, is that an accent? And that's an accent. Oh, you're British. You're British, you know. But yeah, you guys don't like uh, our accents too much. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Someone said they're cowboy dick riders. <laughs> I don't really know what this means, to be honest. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> All Americans love riding cowboy dick. <laughs> Uh, to be fair one of my roommates did love cowboys so (laughs) what like what does it mean are they actually like modern day cowboys do they exist i mean actually yeah really in certain parts of america they have a culture of their own they you know have gatherings and there's stores dedicated to like cowboy wear like you'll see stores filled with like cowboy hats and cowboy boots and all that type of stuff yeah i have cowboy boots that i bought in santa cruz and maria hates them (laughs) so much (laughs) she always chats shit about them (laughs) because i don't like the most like normal people fashion not not that cow pe- cowboy people are not normal. <laughs> They're Just abnormal. Ah, like... <laughs> uh, never mind. Okay, other stereotypes. We had a lot of fake, hyper and over-enthusiastic, mm-hmm. that kind of thing. I feel like you just have to know the right people. <laughs> Wait, Alex, do you think that American people are really over-enthusiastic? You know, I think we have the extremes. I think we have people that are very said and happy about life and you know everything's amazing and you know ah you know and then you have those that just <laughs> i don't know kind of seem to hate life like hate just like you know everything about it so i think you definitely have the extremes but i have seen over enthusiastic people i can be over enthusiastic myself to be honest <laughs> 
when I came to America I was like really expecting to get annoyed by how over enthusiastic everyone was and like in the first couple of days I was kind of like I mean this is just a lot of energy for me you know like I don't understand how everyone's this happy but then like after a few days I was like yeah I love life like (laughs) I'm gonna take on this enthusiasm (laughs) Uh, people said um racist I mean yeah Alex, thoughts? Yes, yes, and yes. I definitely think those are characteristics that it's an American dream. <laughs> I guess people in the UK do have a kind of accurate perception of how you know some Americans are and what America is like. <laughs> yeah. Do you think it's like still prominent in California? I definitely think that outside of the major cities people don't realize this because you know i feel like nobody's really come to california to go not to la or sf or something of that nature but um in the middle of the state there are people who hold like racist views aren't you know the healthiest even though i would say that california is definitely a health conscious state and a state that tries to be racially aware yeah obviously recent events and like even in the 90s and stuff riots in LA obviously there have been riots against racism in LA so another stereotype people said Christian (laughs) yeah (laughs) I mean it's kind of crazy how Christianity even plays a part in politics in America in a way that I don't think we see in the UK Mm. Yeah, definitely. I feel like it's so weird that that's allowed. Have you watched The Family on Netflix? Yes, I have. Like how they talk about the Ten Commandments and how they were putting up the Ten Commandments statues outside all of these like state buildings. Like that was crazy to me. That's something that would never happen here. Mm. Religion definitely influences um, our politics to this day. And it can be seen in the you know, the news right now, you can see decisions being made in the name of religion. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay, should we move on to the next stereotypes? Yeah. We also ask people, like, stereotypes about Republicans, specifically. Um, <laughs> racist, privileged white men with no morals. <laughs> racist. Racist. <laughs> bullies and that they love guns oh yeah well yeah we're gonna get into like this more later but i feel like you we can't really argue with any of those things (laughs) to be honest but it's definitely like white women as well (laughs) and then we also asked stereotypes about democrats and people said they're usually nice but deep down they're a bit classist alex what do you think about that uh, I've actually had that thought in my head to where I see people who hold very liberal views and identify as Democrats. However, when you get down to their arguments, and especially this came out, you know, when people discuss the Democratic primaries, there's a lot of like elitist and like classist type of arguments and explanations for why things are. So I can definitely see how somebody could pick up on that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Someone said hippies. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it's a stereotype. I feel yeah. like it's what like really conservative people would say, you know, like, oh, they're just hippies. Oh, yeah, true, true. <laughs> and people said crybabies. I mean, yeah, it's like, like 
why are people always crying about human rights? Like, grow up. <laughs> Imagine caring about human rights. Like, what a baby. <laughs> yeah, and then the last one was snowflakes. <laughs> so, I mean, there's definitely all the Democrats too. It's not just our generation. So, <laughs> I don't think that's that applicable, you know. <laughs> but, I don't know. Alex, what do you think? Well, you know, I can see how people try to say, oh, you're being sensitive and so forth, but, you know, not to go there, but if I walked across the aisle and looked at Republican parties, I see grown men crying that um, women want to have birth control or something of that nature. So I don't know who the real snowflakes are. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) the real crybabies. Oh, my God. Well, on that note, do you have any, like, positive things you want to say about America before we really deep dive into deconstructing the election and that kind of thing? Well, um, if I'm going to go into the positives, um, not to contrast it based on the negatives, but I think even though you have, you know, a lot of, you know, bad things socially um, and so forth here, I think that it's good that we have a strong resistance against this. We have a strong resistance against Trump's policies, against racism and sexism. And there's a spirit to fight these things that are going on. And even though we do have our bad, I feel like there are lots of people in here that have a lot of good in them and make America uh, worth saving. Yeah, that's good. That's very nice to hear. I feel like in the UK especially we only well obviously we kind of only hear the bad things so especially at the moment it's good to know (laughs) that you have a positive outlook on the way things are going. Okay so Alex before we start talking more about the election I kind of wanted to say just because like I know a lot of our listeners are outside of America. We do have some listeners in America, but for those who aren't American, could you just give kind of like a brief summary of how your general elections work and kind of the political system, if it's easy for you to do briefly? For sure. Uh, So basically, to give all of you guys a brief introduction into how um, the American election works... Uh, essentially, people start campaigning, i say, a year and a half before, but it really gets down to the year of. And there's two main parties, as you guys have said, that you guys know about. Um, but there are also other parties, but just to focus on the main parties, you have the Democrats and the Republicans. And within those, the Democrats and Republicans um, run against each other to find out who's going to be the nominee. So you'll hear about the Democratic primaries than the Republican primaries, and you'll have a set of candidates running to be the each and or uh, nominee, and each party chooses their nominee in a separate way. I can speak for the Democrats that we have our own set of debates, and we have primaries going in different states, and then whoever ends up getting the most votes uh, ends up becoming our nominee, and so goes for the Republicans. Once a candidate is chosen for each respective party, then that's where um, leading up to the general election. As you guys well know, uh, the Democratic nominee for this year is 
Joe Biden and the Republican nominee is Donald Trump. So essentially how it works is instead of doing it by a popular vote, which, you know, this is a whole different conversation, but a lot of people, including myself, have a problem with, we do it by an electoral system, which essentially means that our country as a whole is divided into districts and electors are chosen to cast votes um, based on the number of districts that have been within the state. So for instance, like California has the most and we have a certain amount of um, electoral votes and the number of electoral votes is kind of supposed to match the amount of popular votes uh, but it doesn't always go that way in the case of like you know 2000 when Bush got voted over Al Gore and Trump got voted over Hillary mm -hmm. and essentially once you tally it up all the electoral votes that each candidate gets whoever got the uh, majority ends up winning cool so can you also just briefly give a rundown of the difference between the House of Representatives and the House of Senate, please? Yeah. So basically in America, each state gets two senators, um, regardless of their population. And senators have a six-year term. Uh, usually senators are supposed to be more qualified. You need to be older to be a senator. And senators have more power, not more power, but they have power over certain things that the House of Representatives doesn't, and their House of Representatives doesn't, has power over things that the Senate doesn't. The House of Representatives is a more, is a position that is supposed to be more classified for those entering into politics, I would say. The House of Representatives, you'll get a four-year term, and this is based off of population size. So, for instance, uh, California with a high population will have a lot more congressional representatives than a state such as Wyoming. Yeah, we kind of have a similar system in that we have, like, two houses. We have the House of Commons and the House of Lords, but I think it's quite different. So, yeah, thank you for clarifying that yes thank you so in terms of our podcast obviously we are a sex and relationships podcast but we also want to talk more about uh the political side of things and how politics can really impact your day-to-day -day life so we really want to talk about this election it's obviously very important whether donald trump gets re-elected or whether we have joe biden being elected so what are like the main things that you would say are concerns for minorities in the US going into this election? Well, honestly, right off the bat, the first things that come to mind are climate change. Even though this affects everyone, minorities are far more likely to live within areas that are polluted, have poor water, and a lot of other variety of environmental issues. So the effects of climate change are going to disproportionately affect those um, in low-income neighborhoods and areas which are correlated ha with being you know a minority member mm -hmm. another thing that will come up is healthcare. that's a very big thing Healthcare, as you guys might may or may not know is pretty expensive in america <laughs> and again if you are a low-income person often a minority you will not be able to afford it and yeah. then going deeper, besides the economics of it, um, minorities face a lot of healthcare discrimination, and there's a lot to unpack within that statement. 
And lastly, I would feel like a concern of minorities right now is the justice system, which, you know, as you guys may or may not know, we have a huge issue with mass incarceration and just the justice system that essentially uh, brutalizes and terrorizes minority groups on many different levels. A hundred percent. Yeah, definitely. And I feel like that's something, mass incarceration is something that we hear a lot about in America, but actually unpacking what that means in terms of how the election affects that and how the election even affects other things that maybe you wouldn't really necessarily consider because they're not a huge part of the presidential campaign is really important and that's kind of something that we wanted to bring to light I mean even if you don't live in America Mm. the politics in America is still going to have an impact on your life if there are people that are being discriminated against and there's prejudices that exist in America they also exist in other parts of the world it's not just an isolated issue so I think in trying to understand America's political system and makeup and the effects of it will also help you understand your own politics and your own views so what about the way in which women are going to be affected by this election because obviously we know about abortion rights and all of that kind of thing but could you go into a bit more detail in terms of that yes most definitely so uh what's interesting is that the women's rights i feel like are being kind of hit by both the executive branch and the judicial branch at this point you know i'm not sure if you guys are aware but we essentially have three branches in america legislative executive and judicial and the judicial is made up of a lot of you know different things but the top of it is the supreme court and we now have a candidate who is openly or a, nom- a nominee, Amy uh, Coney Barrett, if you guys have heard about this, who is openly for reversing Roe v. Wade, um, the doctrine that essentially legalized abortion in America. And then you obviously have Donald Trump, who is a very loud and active speaker against women's rights for abortion and other reproductive um, needs that women need which is just absolutely ridiculous. Yeah. So what does the re-election of Donald Trump mean in terms of reproductive and health rights for women in the next four years? Like, what does it look like now? And what are the problems with the healthcare system now, even under his first term? And what could be posed more of a threat in the coming years, potentially? So even now, regardless, so contrary to what people say, women do not have the same reproductive and medical rights as men do. Right now, women, their reproductive health, such as, you know, abortions being attacked, their right to get birth control, their right to control their medical decisions about their medical organs, their right to take control over, like, childbirth all these things are not as they should be and i could go into the details about how women's rights to access these things are adversely affected especially women of color and then looking forward into the next four years i think we have to be even more concerned about like what new rights are going to be taken away from us what Mm -hmm. things how we're going to be restricted more so and abortion is the first thing that comes to people's mind but this is a very deep-rooted issue and multifaceted and you can identify a lot of issues that are being attacked how does that affect you personally like has that affected you in any way in your personal life that you can see it like 
how is the fear of your reproductive rights being taken away from you potentially it's already going in that direction and how does that feel that fear to live or, or like if you experience any fear at all or like how does it feel for you personally to speak into my identity as like a black woman my right to give birth safely and to get the best medical treatment is not so good right now black women in america are four times more likely to die in childbirth than um, white women because of a system <gasps> systematic racial system that doesn't give minority women the proper medical treatment they need and the access to like proper reproductive care so for me personally i have to worry about in the future that if i want to have a child if i want to give birth i am risking my life like at a high mm -hmm. rate yeah, and you said how black women, is it just black women or is it brown and indigenous women as well? Specifically, black women are four times more likely to die in childbirth, but uh, Hispanic and indigenous women also face their own set of adversities in child labor as well. Have you or anyone do you know personally had any negative experiences so far in terms of healthcare, not just reproductive rights, but in terms of the way you're treated in healthcare. I mean, I know for women, it's a problem regardless of what country you live in, that women are not taken as seriously in terms of uh, being in pain and having health issues and reporting it to health officials. I don't know what the word is, but yeah. do you have any experience with that? You know, um, I'm going to first say something besides personal experience. I'm glad you bring up about you know, pain, because that's very interesting. Uh, in America, we have a long history of using black women as guinea pigs because black women, up until the 90s, were thought and taught in medical school that black women didn't feel pain at the same levels as uh, other women did. So the, actually, the field of you know, OBGYNs started off of using different tools and conducting different experiments on black women and taking you know, black babies out of black women's stomachs yeah. because of this belief that black women didn't feel pain. And even though this idea ended in the 90s or this teaching ended in the 90s formally, it still con continued into medicine today in the way that black women and I'm you know, sure other uh, women of color are treated in medicine. And this goes beyond, you know, childbirth as well. If there's like other, you know, medical things going on, a lot of other sexual uh, medical things going on, this these problems will likely be ignored as well or not treated with the amount of uh, respect and attention they need. Yeah, for sure. And you were saying how even now, and I've read a bit about this as well, in the immigrant detention centers on the border, they're sterilizing women there at the moment and it's there is a massive history of sterilization of women of color in america but the fact that it is still happening today under a president who is actively anti-immigrant just shows what more can be threatened in future and it's i mean ridiculous that it's even happening now but who can even say what could happen like further if yeah, he were to get reelected. No. 
Exactly. And there's a lot of things people don't even realize. The, um, the sterilization, it barely comes to light, and it's in the news cycle for one week, and then it's gone. You know, it's interesting you bring up the, the history of sterilization. This is a little bit different, but this is a fact, again, that I feel like people aren't aware of. Mm -hmm. uh, there's such a thing called a husband stitch, or a term. And basically, this was very popular in America um, up until the 21st century, and it still happens, but not as much. So basically, the husband stitch is when a lot of women, when they gave birth, obviously they're like drugged up and not completely like in control and like at their best. And a doctor would not go up to her and ask her for her own like medical permission. The doctor would go up to the husband and say, "Do you want me to put a couple?" Of extra stitches in there to make it you know more pleasurable for sex to you know make sure like you still like it down there you know and a lot of women would face um, medical issues and uh, go back not knowing what happened to them they're wondering why like what what's going on like I didn't consent to any of this well you know again just another example of how a lot of this stuff is kept in uh, the dark and um, a lot of medical decisions are being made for women without their um, permission or their consent and um, it's causing you know obviously not only like emotional and mental like repercussions but like uh, physical ones as well it's just ridiculous yeah I just don't get how like in cases like this like stitching up a woman's vagina just for the pleasure of a man without her consent is not seen as like a complete disregard for human life and yet the whole argument of pro-life is that people that are pro-choice have no regard for human life or whatever because they want to kill a baby. But like even in that case, like pro-choice is choosing your life. Like what about the woman's life? Do you know what I mean? I just don't get, ugh, I don't get it. Yeah, no, I get what you're saying. I feel like the way that people talk about regard for human life that only becomes an issue when we're talking about women's bodies you never hear that in regard to men's bodies there's no laws in america that i know of if there are please someone correct me that tell a man what he can do with his body apart from laws to do with sexual harassment and rape which are not very heavily enforced anyway <laughs> But this whole issue of human life is brought to light as a kind of means of distracting from talking about women's bodies and treating women as humans in their own right. They are treated very much as a means of accessing a way of reproducing the population, which in turn replenishes the workforce and more people that the government gets to have a say in their life you know all of that just reinforces their political aims rather than focusing on love and respect for women and women's bodies and I think that's a massive issue yeah for sure in America and I think that's why a lot of Europeans and a lot of English people have a problem with America and I'm not saying it's not a problem here by any means but mm. the level to which american politicians are so unashamed of spouting that they're in support of something that doesn't benefit women is ridiculous yeah 100 percent. yeah i completely agree but alex i wanted to ask you kind of what the feeling is in america at the moment do you think it's hopeful for <laughs> what will happen in the election or you know 
I was actually having this conversation with my boyfriend, and we were essentially discussing that these issues aren't new. <laughs> Sexism, racism, all these different things that are very, like, that are under the spotlight heavily right now, they're definitely not new. They've been here since the beginning of our history, and I wouldn't necessarily say it's completely improved. I just think it's taken a different form. However, that being said, I think it's very important that all this is being put under a spotlight. Everyone is discussing this. Everyone's like bringing up things that we didn't know about. I think that this is important process in order for us to move forward. Mm -hmm. We can't fix what we don't know. And so I think that it's important for us to just keep on calling it out, calling out like what is wrong and what is right and keep on putting out those important facts, keep on telling women's stories that are being hushed and like pushed aside, you know, and that's the only way that we're going to be able to say like, this is wrong. Yeah. We need to come up with a solution. We need to do something about this. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And I think it's so easy, especially leading up to the election for that to be a massive focus. And also, especially considering the situation with the pandemic on how we're going to improve the economy, how we're going to rebuild the economy in the UK and in America. And I think it's so important to be having these personal stories. And that's kind of why we wanted to talk to you about it and kind of see both like both hear what you have to say about it because you're so passionate, but also kind of hear like your own personal stories so that we're reminded that when we're voting it's not it's not just about you it's not just about your own beliefs it's about all these individuals that are affected every single day by the things that we vote for and the things that are implemented by the people that we vote for so yeah do you have any other kind of personal experiences that you really want to or just any anecdotes that you've heard of that you think of, would help people understand more how this election is going to impact minorities and women? Well, again, you know, I definitely think there, there's so many different ways that I think women as a whole are being affected that I think that specifically, you know, affects me. But I guess like if I were to share like a personal story about me, something that didn't necessarily happen to me but more so like the what i'm at risk for in america i mean this is goes beyond america actually women you know we take birth control you know which that's like an issue within itself like accessing it but a lot of times they don't disclose the dangers of taking you know birth control i myself was a woman on birth control was unaware actually that when i first started taking it that in america 400 women die due to birth control complications oh my and God. So many more actually end up in the hospital over complications of this. And this just goes to show that, like, there's, like, an issue, again, with, like, not prioritizing women's health and putting the health of a man before a woman. And, again, there's been male birth control created, but they weren't willing to really put into market because of the same um, of side effects that women experience. So I guess for me personally, this just goes to show that, another way that my health is not being taken as seriously as a man's health yeah it's fucked up yeah definitely and another example that i've heard in terms of issues to do with reproduction is that in southern states especially there have been examples where women have been pregnant and then they become ill and they go into a coma or they're on life support but they're pregnant and I listened to a podcast, um, I'll try and put it in the description, about how a one woman was on life support living in her family home for three months. But she's pregnant and the state refuses to allow the family to take her off life support because 
that they claim that her child is their state's property. So if they're to take the woman off life support, then that is basically illegal and this family have this woman she's been on life support for three months but she's basically rotting in their family home and her skin is like hardening oh my god that's day horrible. by day but they have to wait three months for it to even get discussed in court for them to make the decision for their own daughter to take her off life support when she is not living life at all and that's just the fact that like they're putting the value on the unborn child again over women like there's all these instances innumerable instances that we can name we could literally list them (laughs) forever and I think I want to really focus on personal like individual stories because yeah like I said before it's so easy to kind of just talk about the system as a whole and we hear all these terms like sexism and the patriarchy but actually unpacking what those mean in terms of individual lives in this country that is supposedly a free country for everyone is so important. One thing, you know, when I was listening to what you're saying, and one thing that I just remembered is that the current nominee for the Supreme Court has uh, considered making miscarriages a woman should be investigated for having a miscarriage essentially saying that if she has a miscarriage this could be possible grounds to show that um she did it intentionally and she should be criminally charged so that's literally completely insane yeah Yeah. another thing i feel like you should be you know scared about not only is this a very traumatizing and you know a sad thing somebody to go to but imagine being you know criminally charged for you know having something like this like happen to you so yeah it's very worrisome i think that there's a lot of things on the table for the upcoming election a lot of things that people again like don't talk about the main focus is always abortion which is very um important but again this issue is like multifaceted and there are many levels to what's going on yeah well if you don't mind i want to quickly ask you about your thoughts on Joe Biden because obviously I know a lot of people are saying there's this trend on Instagram saying settle for Biden blah blah blah. we want to just kind of flag in this episode that we know Joe Biden isn't the ideal candidate for president but if we can kind of just highlight some of the things that he does stand for and maybe that will be helpful in helping people understand why it's so important to vote for Biden because a vote for Biden isn't necessarily a vote for Biden, it's a vote against Trump. So do you have anything to say about that? Yes, I definitely think that based on what we've just been talking about, the first you know, most important thing is Biden does not have any intentions of reversing Roe v. Wade, uh, the doctrine that allowed abortion to become legal. He plans to maintain and build up the Affordable Care Act, which will still give women access to birth control, women affordable options to, or semi-affordable options to give childbirth, and he does have intentions of supporting women's rights and promoting equal reproductive health as much as, like, the Democratic Party, as right now, stands for. And if you compare that to what Trump is talking about in his campaigns you can kind of see the clear reason why we are choosing to highlight 
Biden as a preferred candidate in this podcast because clearly we want to promote voices or promote people who are gonna actually benefit the lives of women and minorities and that's kind of like our goal ultimately and to just educate everyone on why it's important to do that and why it's important to listen to these discussions regardless of whether you think politics impacts your day-to-day life well going you know as to answer the first part with trump trump you know ran his campaign on attacking women saying that women's rights aren't important or needed or we already have enough rights as it is trump fully intends to attack roe v wade um he plans to take away women's rights to make other medical decisions for themselves so trump gets off and benefits off of attacking women's rights in any way he can so you know, a vote for Trump is actively a vote for taking away women's rights and endangering their health. I mean, essentially, I just want to emphasize, it's just about getting Trump out. Like, Biden isn't 100% like angels and rainbows and unicorns and everything we could ever wish for. But like, it's about getting Trump the fuck out because the implications of like, what Trump actually wants to do is really scary. So don't be like, oh, yeah, but, like, I don't want to vote because, like, oh, I don't even like Biden, you know what I mean? Who cares? Who the fuck cares? It's a vote for Trump. Yeah. Right. Yeah, like, I don't think anyone would have said a year or two ago, oh, we want Biden to be the next president. Like, he is our ideal presidential candidate for the Democrats in 2020. I really don't think anyone would have said that, but that is the situation that we are in, so doing what we can with that and doing what we can to get Trump out as we have been saying this whole time is the key thing going into this election. Alex do you have anything to say about how to vote or just any kind of advice for accessing voting in the coming weeks? Yeah. I mean I know there's only like four Right weeks, it's coming up that. very soon. Yeah you you know thing is that Obviously, with COVID, it's made voting more difficult and more complicated than it typically is. But nonetheless, it's vital and very important that it happens. So that's a different story, a different conversation. But, you know, in America, our voting rights are literally being attacked. You can see videos and pictures of mailboxes being hauled off because the Trump, the Donald has said that he wants to shut down the U.S. postal system, which now, more than ever, is important to people who can't go out in person and cast their ballots. So as far as, like, what my advice for voting is that, you know, if you haven't already done so, I would definitely check to see if you still have, like, enough time to safely get in your ballot in there, you know, see what options you have in order to, like, really see if, like, you can't go in person. Uh, but if you, if you, there's enough time to mail in your ballot and, you think that you are healthy enough or you feel like safe enough and precautious enough to go out and vote in person go do it this is very 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 important this election a lot is at stake for so many different people for our climate the world there's a lot at stake and to get more specific about the melon ballots you have to double check and make sure that everything on there is right because it actually has been documented that people of color's ballots have been set in at like three times the higher rates for inconsistencies, quote unquote, than their white counterparts. So 
Again, just make sure that your ballot, they can't dock you on anything because if they send it back and there's only a week left, um, it'll be very difficult to get your vote in. Yeah, for sure. Okay, well, is there anything else that you kind of want to highlight in terms of anything to do with women's rights or minority rights that you think is relevant to our podcast, even if it's not to do with the election? Like, anything else that you're really passionate about raising awareness about that we haven't mentioned? Yeah, you know, we briefly touched upon this, but to go deeper, you know, the healthcare system as a whole, just besides like reproduction, has been compared to for women of color as for, you know, men of color, like what the justice system is, is like what the medical system is to women of color on many different um, forefronts, rather it be the exuberant expenses of, you know, healthcare to the actual, like, blatant discrimination. The healthcare system adversely affects women and, you know, people of color. And if somebody isn't healthy, they can't be, you know, active citizens. They can't live freely. They can't live happily. So this is, healthcare is extremely, extremely important. And, you know, I don't know if you guys in the UK know how expensive healthcare is over here, but I remember seeing a video and it it was an American reporter who went over to the UK and he wanted to prove the point of how expensive uh, American healthcare was. So he went over and he questioned UK citizens and he asked them how expensive uh, you guys thought that childbirth was in America. Mm-hmm. And you gave answers like, you know, yeah, like, you know, uh, 140 euros, you know, <laughs> 200 euros, you know, maybe, you know, 400 euros on the high side. And he came back with the fact that childbirth in America is like close to 8000 to $10,000. No, yeah. That's I just can't Which it. I think is absurd, you know, <laughs> and just completely crazy, you know. Yes. So that's just like one thing you guys in the UK might not know, but, you know. Don't get sick over here, because unless you got money, you know, it's not too pretty. Yeah. Yeah, but you know, by the wise words of Donald Trump, we don't have to worry about COVID, because everyone has access to as good healthcare as he does. (laughs) Even though he actively tries to ensure that not everyone has access to as good healthcare as he does. But yeah, when we were talking earlier, Alex told us, she how she saw that video and she thought it was so funny that people in the UK didn't know that and she was like yeah eight thousand dollars for childbirth and we were like what (laughs) that's ridiculous we didn't know that like it's just so many little things like that that I feel like are just not highlighted I asked a poll on the Instagram account at sexist podcast if you want to go give us a follow and you know check out our stories and stuff asking whether you would date someone who had different political views than you as far as like I'm going to answer I feel like people will try to box in like politics as something that's like you know separate from who we are but our politics I feel like I believe define us you know if it shouldn't be political but like politics is human rights politics is like my right to like, be free my right to like access healthcare. like politics isn't just like something that's like an opinion or like oh something that like, you think on the side it's like 
how you like view the world and like view the people around you. So I don't think I could be with somebody who doesn't think that I deserve like the same level of like rights as them or like who views other people less than them because your political views I think testify to your character in my honest opinion. Yeah. Mhm. Yeah. Have you ever dated someone who has really different political views to you? Definitely not extremely different. I feel like everyone of course there's like difference like of opinion within the small things, but I think on like overall larger scale like you know if one person thinks oh yeah i believe in gay rights and the other person is talking about uh, electrocuting you know gay people i think there's you know a little bit of an energy there you know yeah for sure (laughs) yeah what do you think hun i agree with alex completely in terms of i do think that your political views are like integral to, to to who you are and your beliefs mm-hmm. would I date someone with political with different political views to me I have dated people with different political views to me I am dating someone now who has like we do disagree on some things but I think overall we are like compatible aside from one thing which I think is like a cultural difference but even that I struggle with unless it was like something that I couldn't look past in day-to-day life like if they have minor ones I think then I can look past that so like overall I would need them to be pro-women's rights anti-racist and pro-LGBT all of those things like if they have anything that's incompatible with those fundamental things then I wouldn't be able to date them but outside of that maybe what about you Maria I I agree with what you guys have said but I just don't think I could I don't think I could really date someone that was so different to me like I could be friends with someone that had different political views than me I just don't think I could date someone that did because I don't know I, I think it is a little bit too much of who you are like I and I do agree with the sense of like opposites attract in some senses but if it's just like really the fundamental values that you hold in yourself and like you live your life by I just think it's a bit much <laughs> yeah yeah, like, if you're dating someone who's gonna turn around if you get pregnant and be like, no, you can't get an abortion because I don't believe in that, then, like, why are you dating them? You know, that's your body. Yeah, no, exactly. I do think it depends what you are, like, disagreeing on. If it's in a general sense, then no, I don't think I could date someone that had different views than me. Yeah. Okay, well... To finish the episode then, has anyone seen anything on the internet this week that they really want to discuss? Honestly, I my friend, you know, said this and this statement really resonated with me. Every day in the Trump administration, there's a new scandal. So, you know, it's, we've been very desensitized to like what comes out. Oh, you know, Trump is advertising Gon's beans on his Twitter account, which is completely illegal. You know, just a typical day, you know. So, there's nothing, you know, I guess, too surprising. You know, there obviously is a lot going on, but nothing, I guess, too surprising caught my eye. Um, just to poke some fun, you know, watching the presidential um, debate, quote-unquote, that was, you know, a comedy show, which, you know, I hope everyone can watch, you know, get your nice, you know, prime time, like, laugh. 
So, you know, that's one thing I would want to make light of. Yeah, watch the presidential debate, have a good laugh, but also, like, just reaffirm your values and, like, reaffirm the fact that you're going to vote for Biden in this election. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Yes, and if you live in America or you have any American friends or anything, tell them to go vote. Yes, please. And get everyone to register to vote. Go vote. Anyone that you know that can vote in the U.S., uh, tell them, hassle them. Yeah, we're not endorsing people saying that they're not going to vote because they don't like Biden or because they just can't be bothered. No, that's not what we're going for. <laughs> and also, I kind of just wanted to end by saying, although this episode has been kind of focused around American politics and we've had a lot of insight from Alex, you might not think this is relevant to you because you don't live in America, if you don't live in America, but these are things that exist everywhere it's not just something that's isolated to that one continent and it somehow miraculously doesn't spread across the ocean like no these ideas are everywhere and it's easy to think that they're not everywhere if you are surrounded by people who have similar political views to you which most people are because they just naturally surround themselves with people that agree with them but you really have to look at the bigger picture and I think America is a warning for every other country at the moment in terms of complacency and not thinking that someone like Donald Trump can be elected or not thinking that it will ever get to that level Mm -hmm. because it clearly can and if it can happen in America then it can happen in the UK it can happen anywhere so I really just want to highlight that yeah beware 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 yeah but (laughs) yeah thank you so much alex thank you so much alex thank you so much for having me i'm so glad about you know your podcast and the important work you're doing and you know (laughs) i miss you honey so you know come back to america you know hopefully (laughs) not with the current president we have yeah when trump lives the travel ban i'll be there Mm -hmm. but yeah thank you so much and it's so nice to hear Like, obviously, we can talk about American politics, but we don't live in America. So it's nice to hear from someone who actually lives there and actually feels the effects of it. Mm -hmm. And, yeah, thank you for just being so passionate about it and spreading your knowledge with us. Thank you so much. Do you want to plug your social media at all? Okay, yeah. If you guys want to, you know who alex turner is you can go to al.williams.turner on instagram you know and i would love to connect and answer any questions you might have yes thank you thank you and as always you can follow us at sextras podcast on instagram and email us at sextraspodcast at gmail.com with any comments any suggestions any thoughts about the episodes follow our facebook page please write a review on apple Podcasts or Podchaser, and just let all your friends know about the podcast yeah and all those lovely things and of course subscribe and follow us yeah and if you want to spread the word about sex truth and you don't know how to we post on instagram you can share any of our posts to get the word out there so we would very much appreciate it But yeah, thank you for listening and we will see you next Tuesday. Bye. Bye.
You've been listening to Sextras, presented by Honey Jane Wyatt and Maria Jose Hayodatiyi. Produced by Mabel Productions.